0: Um, I read this quote earlier this week that said, moms are walking miracles. Moms are walking miracles. And I was thinking, about, I was looking at your face yesterday and I was thinking, how much we've put you through. Uh, I come from a family of three boys. And so I just want to share three, like three of the, they aren't even like the worst crises, but three of the crises that I put my mom through. The first one was, uh, mom, do you remember the time where uh, I ran into the back of the car with my scooter and broke both of my front teeth. And I'll never forget, I come running up to my mom and I'm like, we can glue them back together. And uh, that night my mom took me to the ER. And then the second time was uh, when we were fishing. Uh, Men, you're gonna love this one. Uh, We were fishing, me and my brothers, uh, my dad was at work. My mom took us out to the lake trying to be a a good mother to her boys. And uh, I took the cast of a lifetime and hooked the back of my head with a lure. And uh, that's another fond memory. I remember my mom trying to get that out with uh, needle nose pliers. Then we gave up, went to the ER. And then there was the third time we always wanted to play baseball, but we weren't super good at it. My twin brother was pitching. My older brother was, uh, was batting and I was the catcher. And with an aluminum baseball bat, he took the hardest swing of his life and crushed the back of my head. you remember that one, mom? Yeah, so it's a miracle that mom's here today and uh, grateful for you. Moms, uh, we are so thankful for you. I know my mother-in-law is watching and Jen, um, you know, I'm raised in a family of boys and then somehow I'm supposed to raise girls. So uh, Jen's leading that charge and just so grateful for what all the women bring to our lives. Right, men? We'd be toast without them. Um, But also, I just want to acknowledge today's a day of mixed emotions, right? Right. Uh, even in our own midst, even within the last couple of weeks, we have um, we have some who are missing mom this morning. Some who are are remembering the legacy of mom, but um, mom isn't with them. And uh, we have some moms who we, we know the depths of a mother's love because we know their heartbreak this morning. We've had a couple moms in our church who have lost their children this year. And, uh, and, and also, uh, you know, another one that churches don't talk about and we don't talk about in public a whole lot, but this, this issue of miscarriage and infertility. And, and so I just want to acknowledge like all of us in this room, God's, God knows our heartbeat and God's put each of us here for a reason today. And so wherever your heartbeat is, whether it's joy or sorrow or, or frustration or happiness, um, when you leave today, we've got a carnation for every woman in, in the church. And we want you to know that carnation is a symbol of, of God's love for you. And, uh, we are so grateful for for your love for us. But, uh, let me, let me just pray for moms, uh, and, um, God knows they need it. And, uh, and let's let's prepare our hearts for worship. Let's let's pray. God, we thank you for um, your unfathomable love for us. God, it's 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 beyond comprehension how much you love us, or that you would chase after us, that you would pursue us, in your Son Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the glimpse of that love that we get in in moms, Lord, those mother figures in our lives. Lord, we praise you for the blessing that we have, of their love poured out on us. And um, God, we are just so grateful for the legacy that they've left in us. God, I just ask for for those young moms, even this morning who were just working, grinding to get their kids to church this morning, to, to get everybody set up. Lord, um, I just give you thanks for them for their day in and day out struggle to love their kids well. God, we we know just in the last year with the pandemic, a lot of moms were working overtime Lord, trying to keep a balance of everything going on while also protecting their young. And um, God, we just praise you for that. Lord, we are so grateful that you've given us this gift, Lord, of moms that cheer for us, moms that watch over us, God, the sign that that leaves in our lives, Lord. And I also ask, God, more than anything, that you would take that that unfathomable love, Lord, that you would just pour it into anyone this morning with a heartbreak. God, that you would uh, overwhelm them with your presence and your grace. and um, God, just be with them now. Lord, as we turn to your word this morning, we just give you our hearts open wide and just pray that you would speak to us. God, that you would give us eyes to see you more clearly and ears to listen for you more intently and hearts to follow you more faithfully. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. So if you're joining with us for the first time this morning, I want to pay you a particular welcome. Um, You've come at a great time. We're we're opening up to John's Gospel chapter 10 this morning. And uh, John's Gospel chapter 10, you've probably heard some of this before. This is the famous passage where Jesus names himself the good shepherd and the Gate. So We're going to talk about what that means today, the good shepherd and the gate. John chapter 10 verses 1 to 21. Let's now hear the word of the Lord. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. You ever thought about what it must be like to be a shepherd and when Jen and I went to Israel years ago, there were shepherds everywhere. Um, every hillside in the country seemed to have a shepherd with his flock. And I feel like I often bring this romantic picture of, of shepherds and, and their sheep, right? I think of Psalm 23, we're going to revisit that in a few minutes, of green pastures and life is bliss. What did Jesus mean when he called himself our shepherd? What did he mean when he called us his, his sheep? You ever thought about that? Like, anybody know any stories about sheep? Sheep stories are not that great. You with me? Back in 2005, just outside this town called Gavis Turkey, there was a group of shepherds herding nearly 2,000 sheep up on these, these hillsides. They said that the flock represented 26 families back in town. And that scene looked like this picture perfect sort of scene rolling hills, overlooking these cliffs of this town lake. One morning as the shepherds sat down to rest, something didn't look right. Out in the distance, they they saw this lone sheep begin to leave the flock and he was headed towards the cliffs out in the distance. They whistled for it to come back, but the sheep either didn't hear them or didn't care. And by the time the shepherds got to their feet, it was too late. That lone sheep walked right off the cliff into thin air. The shepherds were in shock. You know, sheep aren't the smartest of animals, but they they typically don't walk off cliffs, right? But it was about to get much, much worse. See, sheep by their very nature are followers, right? And within seconds, 1,500 sheep followed that lone little lamb. One by one by one, off the cliff, gone. The Washington Post reported that nearly 500 sheep died that day. Hundreds of thousands of dollars lost, family livelihoods disappeared like that. The story reminds me of the most famous question of any mother to their child as they're growing up. You know, when we got into trouble and in with the neighborhood kids growing up, my mom used to look us right in the eye and she'd say, what? She'd say, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? Yeah. Well, mom, when it comes to sheep, I would say we have our answer." But I tell you that story because this morning I want to talk intentionally about followership. Followership. You know, we live in this day and age where it seems like everyone wants to be a leader. Just think about the the best-selling books over the last 20 years. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Good to Great, How to Win Friends and Influence People. We live in this, this leadership era, right, where everybody's an entrepreneur or a coach or an influencer, What does it mean to follow? Just last week, we left off with a story about a man born blind. And in his blindness, he has no other choice but to follow the voices that he hears. Without his sight, his his ears are his way of life. And every day, this blind man would hear the, the same town passing him by on the street. He'd listen to the words of people taking pity on him as they walked by He'd hear children mocking and and laughing over in the distance. He picked up on the conversation of religious leaders and even the disciples passing judgment on him. But then one day, this voice comes to him. It's, It's a new voice, and this voice is different. It's unlike any voice he's heard before. This voice, you'll remember, wipes mud across his face. This voice tells him to go and wash in this pool called Siloam. And as he heeds and follows this voice, he's healed. But you also remember if you were with us last week that it's not long before this cured man now hears an entirely new set of voices. The neighbors, they want to know if this is the same guy as before. The Pharisees, they want him to concede that the one who healed him was a sinner and was a falsehood. His parents are silent and for good reason because it's not long before all the voices in his life now reject this man. And so he returns back to the voice who healed him And Jesus asks him, do you believe? This blind man falls to his knees in worship. But now we open up to chapter 10 and almost abruptly, Jesus wants to talk about followership. You know, typically the scenes of John's gospel are broken up with some sort of transitionary phrase. You know, we typically read something right here like after these things took place or soon after this or after these days. But if you look at the beginning of our lesson, There is no transition. In fact, we're right smack dab in the middle of the story about the blind man still. Look at how Jesus begins this in verse one. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door, he's the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus says the one who enters by the gate, that's the shepherd. All the other voices that we've just heard are faking it. And after healing this blind man, Christ wants us to know there are thieves and there are robbers. These are the Pharisees in this story who are leading others astray. They've snuck in, Jesus said. They've climbed up and over the wall. And instead of using the door, they want you to believe there's a different way than Jesus. Christ wants us to know that not all the voices you hear are for you. At the time, shepherds near the city, they would bring their sheep into the safety of a pen at night. And as the shepherd went to rest for the evening, they would leave their flock in the care of a gatekeeper, of a porter. And they would have that porter watch over the flock until morning. And Jesus says, the only true shepherd is the one who comes back in the morning through the gate. But some want to sneak in the other way. They have ulterior motives. They're robbers, fakers, rip-offs. Jesus says, be leery at them. Look at this in verse three to four. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought them out on his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. Of all the voices in this blind man's life, this was the only one who healed him. Which brings me to my first thought. It's far from original. In fact, we're going to look at two points this morning. Neither one of new, but they're vitally important to us as believers. The first thing I want us to understand is this. True followers of Jesus Christ only have one shepherd and they only follow one voice. True followers of Jesus Christ only have one shepherd and therefore they only follow one voice. C.T. Wilson wrote a book called The Peasant Life in the Holy Land. And in this book, he described how still to this day, there are these Bedouin shepherd communities, particularly near the town of Gilead, who collectively share their resources to protect their flock. And to do this, they pitch 10 or 12 tents in this wide circle. And when evening comes, they bring in their sheep into the enclosure from these tents. And then one shepherd takes turns keeping watch over the flock. The concept worked really well, except in the morning, the sheep were now mixed with all the goats and one another. Wilson said he was perplexed at this problem, and he began thinking that evening even, how are they going to separate the sheep back out? The next day at first light, he watched as this young shepherd walked over to his herd, he pulled out a, a reed flute, and he began to repeat this tune over and over again. His sheep began to filter from one side of the pen to the other. See, followers of Jesus Christ only have one shepherd, then therefore we only follow one voice. If we want to be a good leader in the the church or in our community or with our families, with our children, the first thing we have to learn to do is follow. But here's the hard part. Now, I think a lot like that, that blind man, every day our lives are filled with dozens of other voices, It starts with voices in our head, right? Or am I the only crazy one in the room? Really think about it. You wake up and immediately you begin self-talk, voice that speaks to you. It continues with voices at work, voices from our boss, voices from our employees, voices on the home front, voices of our children, voices in the car, voices on the phone. How do you follow the voice of Christ in such a, a cacophony of voices? Here's why I asked that. That question might be a life and death question. In fact, I'm really not answering it this morning. I want us to think about it. How do we follow Christ in that, that room full of voices in our minds? Back in Nazi Germany, there were thousands of uh, these German Christians who had subscribed to something called the Reich Church Movement. The Reich Church was this super patriotic faction that had infiltrated Christianity. Christianity. And almost overnight, Christians were now equating the Nazi party as the leader of their church. One by one, sheep by sheep, the church began to stray from its calling. Well, soon a group of professors and pastors led by a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you've heard that name, they decided to take a stand and they created a new movement called the Confessing Church Movement. They did this to try to win back the sheep that had went astray, and they they wrote something public called the Declaration of Barmen. Look at how this declaration calls back the flock of Jesus Christ. Look at this up on the screens. It says, in view of the errors of German Christians of the present Reich government, we confess the following evangelical truths. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. All they did was open up God's word and profess it back to the world. The leaders signed that document, and in signing it, they signed their own fate. They were now enemies of the, of the state. Bonhoeffer would pay for his life. Because they knew, though, that followership matters. They couldn't bear to watch their brothers and sisters going out to the pastors by another voice because time and time again, it just starts with one and then two and three. And before you know it, the flock is shifted. See, leadership is one thing, but followership, that's the most important thing. Look at this. Look how Christ explains this in verse five. He says, a stranger, my flock won't follow. They do not know the voice of strangers. Moms, you know all about this. This is no secret to you. You know, the greatest concern of mothers nationwide is stranger danger, right? We instill this in our, our children from, from the youngest age, the day that they can talk. Unless you know the voice that's speaking to you, run. We know firsthand this world is full of voices that aren't for our kids, so we train our children to listen for only the voices they recognize. And as our children grow up to be teens, we continue the theme. You know, I can remember my grandmother telling me over and over again, if you walk with dogs, you'll catch what? Fleas. Like a shepherd, we we carefully watch over who it is that's influencing and speaking into the lives of our kids because we know how high the stakes are. But here's my point this morning. If we truly want to raise our kids in the faith, if we truly want them to understand who Jesus is, they have to first see Christ in us. They have to first see us following our shepherd as they follow into our footprints. Now, here's what following the shepherd looks like. It looks like following one man and one voice. Time and time again, if you skim through the word of God, you will find story after story after story where Jesus beckons to his sheep like that young shepherd boy. And with the tune of his whistle, his sheep come following. In the gospel of Matthew, Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he reaches out to Peter and Andrew who are fishing. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what do they do? Immediately upon hearing the voice of Christ, They left their nets and followed him. In the Gospel of Luke, you might remember the story of Zacchaeus. He's this curious man up in a tree watching Jesus with the people. Luke 19 tells us that Jesus came to this place and he looked and said intently at Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So what does Zacchaeus do? He hurried and came down and received him joyfully. One of my favorite scenes is that moment after Jesus has died and Mary Magdalene is standing at the tomb and she's devastated. This is in John 20. And through her tears, she sees this silhouette, the silhouette in the distance, and she assumes it to be the gardener of the property, we're told. This man comes to her and in the dim lit morning, he speaks to her. And the minute his voice says, Mary, everything changes. She hears her shepherd speak and immediately She falls to her knees in worship. See, followers only have one shepherd and therefore we only follow one voice. I love Psalm 23. You know, we've read it so many times. I feel like maybe we just gloss over it. I know you've heard it many times before, but let's just look at this Psalm one more time. I want you to see the benefits of following your shepherd as we read this Psalm. In fact, let's read this together. Will you read this with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's focus on those words for a minute. When you follow Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, God's word guarantees two things for us by this psalm. First, by his voice, you have provision. And second, you have protection. Did you see that in this psalm? First, it's Jesus that leads us to green pastures. One of the only times we see the color green in scripture. Pastures of lavish abundance. And then he leads his sheep by still waters because Jesus knows his sheep are spooked by the rough seas. In Christ, your cup overflows. You have provision. And not only that, the psalmist tells us his word is our protection. Even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you have comfort and protection and peace. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Look at how Jesus explains this. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not on the sheep, he sees a wolf coming and leaves him and flees. I'm the good shepherd, Jesus said. I know my own and my own knows me. I feel like the greatest love that I've I've seen in my own life is that of a parent's love for their child. Men, can I just talk to you for a minute? If you've been married to a woman and you've watched her have kids, can we just go back to Mother's Day, that first Mother's Day? I remember when Jen first had our, 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 our first child, Taylor, her life changed drastically, like in a blink of an eye. Did you remember watching that? All of a sudden, the mom's eyes were focused entirely on their children. And one of two things happened. One of two things happened in Jen's life and probably in many of our mom's lives. Mama Bear came out when the baby needed a hug and Mama Claus came out when the baby needed protection. Provision and protection See, true followers of Jesus Christ only have one shepherd. And here's why it's so important that we follow that voice. This is the second point this morning. The sheep only have one door. We only have one door. Martin Luther once told his congregation, he said, When I seek to get into your heart, I preach Christ. Because were I preaching something else, I would be trying to climb in by some other way. Think about this what good is a shepherd? If he can't bring his sheep back into the fold. Christ offered two separate I am statements in this chapter. And he was so emphatic about both of them that he repeated them both twice. First, he said, I'm the good shepherd. We've wore that one out. You're with me by now. But second, he said, I'm the door. I am the gate of the sheep. Now, the first one I had to wrestle with because I'm not a farmer and I had to look up a bunch of stuff. The second one, I've got this one figured out. See, I've been in youth ministry for nearly 20 years. I know all about gates and keeping the flock in at night. A solution is really easy. This is what you do. You know, the biggest challenge of any retreat or mission trip or lock-in is keeping your students away from the other students that they're not supposed to be with in the dark. You with me? But the solution is really easy. Um, you don't trust the lock on your door. You put an adult in the doorway and that mom or dad will protect your flock all night long. Serves one of two purposes. It either keeps the kids out or it keeps the kids from coming in. Jesus says, I'm not only a shepherd, I'm the gate. And again, I feel like context is important here. See scholars said, uh, say that, that back in that day, if you were out in the rural lands away from the town, As a shepherd, you had to watch over your sheep at night. So you would find an embankment and you would fill that embankment with a circle of stones. And then at the entrance, you would do exactly what our parents would do on retreats. You would become the gate. You would lay down at the entrance of your pen. Jesus said, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastor. You know, the the first word, this word picture gives us a really good image of, of what the good shepherd does for us. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. We know all about that part, right? Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. He's the only one that can be the gate, the way, the truth, and the life for us. But what does this in and out in the pastor speak? See, a gate doesn't just let the sheep in. The, the gate sets the sheep free. Jesus said, whoever enters in me will be saved but also they will be set free to go out to pasture. You'll remember the story of Adam and Eve when they were banished from the garden, right? There was no way back in. But Jesus says, I'm now the door. Whoever goes through this new door will not only come in, but be let out. Reminds me of a story about a, a man who lived quite the wayward life. He was the lost sheep for most of his life. And he would have been the one that was wandering to the cliffs away from the flock. One day, the devil showed up to remind this man of his past. And just to get at him, he wrote down every sin one by one. Can you imagine just a scroll coming out of all of your life's sins? And after he went through all these sins, he began to well up with tears. And the man had no other choice but to admit to the evil one what he had done. The devil told him, you'll never add up. You're done for. But then the same man, he took a quill and began dipping it into red ink And one letter at a time, he began painting over each word, each sin, each transgression. The evil one said, what do you think you're doing? The man said, every sin is now covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You got nothing on me. See, followers only have one shepherd because only that one shepherd can be our door. So let me just wrap up with this. This is is our takeaway this week. The Bible tells us we, like sheep, all of us have gone astray. Every one of us have turned our own way. But if we listen to his voice and we enter in by his way, that's how we find eternal life. The point this week is this. Be discerning about who you follow because it was Jesus Christ who named us sheep. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you, Lord, for giving us a shepherd who loved us enough that he would chase after the one lost lamb. God, and we confess each of us in this room, we've had moments in our lives where we are that lost sheep, wandering and making our own way. God, I pray this morning if you'd find any wayward way in us that you would help us to listen for your voice. Lord, much like that young shepherd boy who whistled the same tune over and over again, we remember, Lord, the repeated words you've given us that you are the good shepherd and you are the gate. God, would you help us to to chase after you, Lord, knowing that you love us enough to chase after each one of us. God, lead us, we pray this week. Help us to be faithful followers of you and all that we say and all that we do and all that we are. In Jesus' name, we make this prayer. Amen.